Acts 14, verse 19, it says this, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Y'all, it's just a little bit different back in Bible days. Nowadays, we get upset when somebody unfollows us on Instagram. Is there some beef? Why you don't follow me? By the way, Stephen R. Chandler, that's Stephen with the PH. Why, why don't you follow me? Like, I mean, was, was this, what's up? I, I saw you didn't like my picture. No, no, no. Back then, they were getting rocks thrown at them. Said <laughs> so he was stoned to the point where he died. However, when the church, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas and Derby, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, listen to this phrase, we must, somebody say we must, through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that you're a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. You're the light in every dark situation we can go through. That's just who you are. And beyond all that, you're Emmanuel, God who is with us. So God, we pray that in this moment, God, that you'd speak to us, that you'd reveal yourself to us, God. Take us one step closer to the purpose, the plan, the destiny that you have for us. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen. amen. Come on, Baltimore. Somebody shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. We're concluding a series that we've been in over the last six weeks called Fight or Flight. Somebody say fight or flight. And, and, and the heart behind this series, if you haven't caught it by now, if this is your first time, by the way, all the messages are online for free. Just go to the church's website. You can catch up whenever and wherever you are. But the idea or the heart behind this series is that God has called us as believers to move forward, to take territory. You may be tired of hearing it. I'm not tired of saying it. Jesus did not die on the cross for you to survive. He said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. He said, I pray that everything in your life would prosper. The word prosper means to move forward. And nowhere in Scripture did you hear it say dependent on the year or dependent on the pandemic or dependent on the health crisis or whatever it may be. And my prayer is through the power of the Holy Spirit that God would grab you and shake you and say, hey, the whole world may be paralyzed in fear right now, but don't let that fear overcome your faith. I still have plans for you. The business I laid on your heart is still going to grow. It's still going to prosper. I still have plans for your family, for your future. There is still a great destiny that I have for you says the Lord. My prayer is that this series puts a, come on, just, 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 just ball up your fist just a little bit. You, you might be a pacifist. Yeah, Pastor, I've been offended six weeks in a row because I don't believe in violence. God bless you. Read the Bible. It is one bloody book. <laughs> but I'm telling you, God is looking to put just a little bit of aggression in us because there are promises and destiny that we need to take hold of. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Today I want to preach the final message. And today's message is called How to Take a Punch. How to Take a Punch. I, I didn't even know we had so many boxers here at Destiny Church and connected to this community. As we've been going through this series, they've, they've kind of been coaching me up. And, Pastor, you know, this was good. Here, here's how this works and all that other good stuff. And one of the things that I discovered is there's actually a technique in how to take a punch. Boxers spend a lot of their time training in how to take a punch because they understand it doesn't matter how good I am, it doesn't matter how fast I am, I'm going to get hit. So if I don't learn how to bounce back, it doesn't matter how talented I am, I'm never going to see it to the end of the fight. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. It doesn't matter how godly you are, how much you pray, you're going to take a punch. God promised, he said, in this world you will face trials. Paul said, through many tribulations, we're going to take hold of all the promises that God has for us. You're going to get, look at your neighbor, just talk to him, say, I'm not being mean, but you're going to get hit. <laughs> not by me, I mean, not, not, not here. What did you learn at church? They some violent people. I don't know what they do over at Destiny. They all smacking people in. <laughs> How many people life has hit you before? It, it may be something that wasn't a big deal to other people, but it was a big deal to you. Somebody that was supposed to have your back, they actually walked out on you. Maybe you poured all of your hopes and dreams into a business only to see it close in this season. Maybe that punch came in the form of a doctor's report that says, hey, it's back. Or hey, you need to visit that parent or whatever it may be. For me, to date, the greatest punch life has sent me was the passing of my mother. It was in the second year of the church. We were just kind of starting to get some traction. I had just got engaged. My mom had been battling cancer for 13 years. and She actually passed away two weeks after I got engaged. She wasn't able to see my wedding, but, but, but she watched the engagement on FaceTime and she was so happy, too weak to come to the party. And two weeks after, one of the biggest celebrations of my life was the biggest punch I'd ever taken. And if you've ever had a loved one that passed away, not, not in old age and they lived a great life, but they left way too soon, you know it's like getting punched in the stomach. All your breath is just taken from you. And for a season, for a moment, there's just this, how am I going to go on? Like, everything about the life that I dreamed included that person in it. And now that they're not here, all my dreams are, they just don't, they don't matter as much. And if we're not careful, the punches that life sends us, and why does life punch us? Is it because God abandoned us? Is it because God left us? No, it's because this world is broken. Matter of fact, he died on the cross so that punches can't have an eternal effect on us. But they are going to have a temporary effect. And I've just learned, if I don't learn how to take a punch, that one season in my life can leave me laid out on the mat and keep me from showing up in other seasons of my life. One of the things that I realized as I was praying over you, Baltimore, Columbia, those of you watching all over the nation, is that there's some of you that you took a punch in that miscarriage three years ago. 
in that divorce 10 years ago, in that, that bankruptcy or whatever it may be, and you're still waking up every day, you're still putting your clothes on, you're still going to work and loving your kids, but the reality is your spirit is still on the mat 10 years ago. Still dizzy and wounded and wondering, am I going to get up? And I'm telling you by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is going to awaken some people today. God's going to breathe some hope, breathe some life, breathe some purpose into some people today. If you want to learn how to take a punch, there's nobody better to learn from than from Paul. In this passage that we were reading, you know, people may not realize this because I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. Uh, I've preached some bad messages. I know this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I'm getting all these cards of, Pastor, you've transformed my life. This message you preach, man, man, that message of forgiveness, 70 times 7. And this, oh, I've preached some good messages. Amen. Just got to make sure y'all with me. <laughs> Are you fishing, Pastor? I am fishing for compliments. <laughs> I'm preaching really good messages. I have. I know that. I've preached some that they just didn't hit. You know, you just walk off. You're like, Lord, you're going to have to use that because <laughs> that's when you just start praying the prayers. Holy Spirit, it's not me. You spoke through a donkey, so surely you can. <laughs> I've never preached a message so bad that somebody threw something at me. Don't start now. But it said Paul was preaching, and, 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 and some rebel rousers came from Antioch and Iconium, and they convinced the congregation that was saying amen to him to stone him. There's a message in that somewhere how we shouldn't get excited when people are cheering us on. Because the same people that are cheering us on can throw rocks at us in a second if they get around the wrong people. So we got to learn how we're doing it for him, not for them. But the same people that, that's a message for Baltimore God at Columbia's like, uh-huh. It says they stoned him. They stoned him to death. And then they dragged him outside of the city and they left him for dead. So the disciples gathered around him. They prayed for him. They brought him back to, listen to what this joker did. He went right back into the city where he had just been stoned and, oh, all right, point two. <laughs> and continued preaching to the exact same people that just tried to take his life. Hear me, that's a bounce back. That's a tenacity. That's a focus. That's a fight. Can I be honest? That your pastor does not have. Let, let, let's be clear. God is still in process with Stephen Chandler. If you throw a rock at me, I am throwing it back. You better hope you hit me, because if you miss, I play baseball, I don't miss. <laughs> he went, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, God, what did Paul have that I don't have? Because I don't have a bounce back to life that way. Not only that, Paul was, he was you, you know some boxers that have been hit too many times? And you're just like, are you, you're not all there, are you? Paul was somebody who's been hit to. He wasn't all there. Like, he took six chapters bragging about all the drama he'd been through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, here's what he says. He said, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. I wish I had time to explain to you those 39 lashes that he's talking about are the same 39 lashes that they gave Jesus before he went to the cross. And it made Isaiah say they beat him so bad you could not recognize whether Jesus was human or dog. 
That's how much flesh had been ripped from his body. Paul said, I experienced that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. We heard about that one. and Not stoned recreationally, for those of you that are <laughs> rock stone, not weed stone. Anyway, he said, I was only stoned once, okay? I was a follower of God. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I had been in the deep. So he said, our ship drowned and they didn't find us for two days. He said, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own family. Come on, everybody, crazy family. Paul said, been there, done that. <laughs> in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things what come upon me daily. Only a pastor would understand this. I love the last part of the verse. He said, my deep concern for all the churches. Well, I would have passed it. Here's what Paul was saying. He said, I've been shown, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten by snakes. He said, oh, yeah, and I'm a pastor. So that just brings drama in itself that's incomparable to being stoned. Here he is bragging about all that he's been through. Here's what he says on the end of the bragging. And I didn't quit. And I didn't curse God. And I didn't say, God, you failed me and you've abandoned me. And, and God, you said that you, no, 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 no. Here's what Paul said at the end of his life. Oh, King Agrippa, I was faithful. To the call of God on my life. I want you to be able to go through whatever life sends you and to keep your peace, keep your joy. Not become bitter and you don't trust anybody because you've been burnt before. But learning how to take a punch but to stay faithful to who God's called you to be. Three things, three things, three things I learned about taking a punch. The first thing is this. If, if you're going to learn how to take a punch and, and bounce back and keep moving, uh, you got to learn how to not take it by yourself. If you're going to take a punch and not have it knock you out, you're going to have to learn how to, how, to, how to not take it by yourself. I realize that boxing is probably one of the most technical sports that are out there. It's about as delicate and as complicated and as technical as ballet or tap dance or whatever the, the technique that is intricate. They, they have this move when a boxer is getting punched, and we've all heard the phrase, but you may have never understood what it meant. It's called rolling with the punch. You ever heard somebody say, just roll with the punches? And, and what they're saying is, just take it easy. Like, don't just get, don't get all worked up. Like, just roll with the punches. Just go with the flow is what they're saying. Have you ever seen, like, a fight in slow motion or, or a, a boxer get hit in slow motion? It's pretty gruesome. I, I don't know if I advise you to watch it. Depends on how strong your stomach is. But a boxer will get hit, and, I mean, their whole body will go like this. You'll see all the sweat spray off their face. Sometimes their mouth guard will go out. Like, oh, that was bad. What I've learned is it looks worse than it really is. When a boxer gets hit, the reason their whole body goes like this, oftentimes, not always, sometimes they just got knocked out, but sometimes it's not because the punch was so hard, but it's because they saw it coming and they threw their body in the direction where it was going. What were they doing? They were deflecting the blow. So basically what it does is, you can hit me, but you won't hit me cleanly. 
You'll brush off my face. You'll brush off my shoulder. You're not going to get a clean strike on me because I'm constantly moving. I'm constantly rolling. I'm constantly deflecting. I'm not taking it on myself. I'm just pushing the energy somewhere else. Here's what the Bible says. Is after Paul was stoned and dragged outside, it said the church gathered around him. I believe that Paul was actually dead in that moment. And his, shameless plug, connect group got around him and they said, we're not leaving you here. And they began to pray over him and they began to invite the presence of God. And because he was in community, he was resurrected. He was brought back up to the moment where he was able to walk right back into the situation that he just came out of. Hear me, if you are going to make it through the blows of life, Baltimore, you're going to have to learn how to have people around you that you can deflect what you're going through. That you don't just take it on yourself. Somehow, growing up, we've believed the lie that how tough we are is how much pain we can internalize. That I'm going to just take it up. I'm just going to go through it and, and keep it in my... And I'll be honest with you, nobody is worse at this than the church. Like you, you know why people love secular music so much? Because it's usually somebody rapping, singing, or some country artist deflecting all the hell they've been through. A tear in my beard. Let me tell you how she left me. They all left me. All my tech exes live in Texas. (laughs) What are they doing? They're deflecting the blows that life has given them. But sometimes you get around a believer. Hey, how you doing? I'm too blessed to be stressed. Life gave you a black eye, a swollen jaw. You're going through it. Oh, God is good. I didn't ask you how God was. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You, however, is what I'm really asking. How are you doing? Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this. Share each other's troubles. Share each other's problems. And so obey our Lord's command. Yo, Sometimes the Bible has to buck up on us because we're a little hard-headed. Here's what that verse says. It says, God commanded you not to go through life by yourself. It's a sin. Oh, that's strong, Pastor. I'm just reading what the Bible says. It's a sin to take a blow from life and to keep it to yourself. The Bible says that we're supposed to share one another's troubles, one another's problems. And just for a quick addendum, some of you, you're the type of person that takes on everybody's problems and you're just as depressed as they are. Here's what you're supposed to do when you're sharing someone's problems. Hear their problem, take their problem, and take it right to Jesus. It was never your responsibility to carry, to internalize, to get depressed with them. Because now all we got is two depressed people. That ain't helping nobody. (laughs) You feel bad? No, I feel bad. No, 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 I want to hear your story. I want to hear what you've been through. And then I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to take it to God and say, God, I need you to do something in them that I can't do. He said, you got to learn. But there's something about us, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's just shame. We don't want people to know that we got hit. You know what's funny about boxers? They're, like, proud of their bruises. You'll see him in an interview, eyes like this, ear all cauliflower. Whoa, that was a good one, man. Thanks to my opponent, it was a good fight. Good fight? You look a mess. You ever see Rocky at the end of his fights? It's like, did you win or not? Because you look. But for some reason, we feel like, I don't want anybody to know that I got hit. 
that those words hurt me. That that family member not showing up for that season in my life, that that broke something inside of me. That man, when that business closed, I'm not, I'm not tapping out, but that hurt. I put my dreams into that. I put my hope into that. I don't know where the shame comes from. I think sometimes it comes from this idea that I should have seen that coming. I shouldn't have let life hit. I shouldn't have trusted that person. I, I shouldn't have put my money. I should have seen that coming. And because we've bought the lie of the enemy that we're supposed to be perfect, which was never God's expectation of us, when, when life hits us, we want to cover it because we feel like it makes us look less than. Now, I'm petty, but y'all knew that. And if you're new, you're learning it now. Your pastor's petty. It just it is what it is. Celebrate, uh, funerals are just times where there's a lot of pain and all that other good stuff. Oftentimes, it's a celebration of someone's life and their graduation to heaven. But I always laugh when I, and if this is you, I'm laughing at you, not with you. But when you see people at a funeral with sunglasses on, in the auditorium or in the, just got their shades on. And I want to be like, we know you crying under there. You know everybody in the room is crying right now. It's like, take your shade. Let's just see them out. Let's just, I mean, let's just have a moment. Jeez, don't cry. Listen, I'm not going to die for another 100 years, so y'all got time. But when I die, y'all better cry. And I'm talking about like that ugly cry. Not just a, he was a good man. I mean, I want, I mean, just uncontrolled. Jump, jump in the casket with me. I want you. <laughs> For some reason, we try to cover up the fact that life is real. And there's blessings, and there's glory, and there's joy, and there's fun, but there's pain. And there's losses, and there's setbacks. God says, if you try to keep that to yourself, you're not going to bounce back quickly. Another reason why we struggle to deflect, and this is just your shady pastor ending the series, because we don't have believers around us that can encourage us. You ever gone to someone on a bad day looking for encouragement? And about three minutes in, you find yourself encouraging them? <laughs> yeah. Can we just vent about people for a second? You ever met people that no matter how bad it is with you, it's always worse with them? Man, doctor said I tore my ACL. You know what? I might have to get my leg amputated, man. I Man, I've just been having pain. I think it's an ulcer. They're about to take my kidney, you know. It's just, never mind. Here's what the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Baltimore, I wish I had time to explain how healing comes from community, not from God. I don't even like that. Because the Bible says that he is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. I wish I could just go into my little prayer closet and say, God, my heart is broken because this closed and this didn't happen. God, can you heal me? And here's, he is a healer and he is a doctor. But all doctors have tools that they use for healing. And one of the tools that God uses for healing is community is other belief. He says, confess your faults one to another, pray for each other, you may be healed. Watch this. The earnest prayer of a ratchet man. <laughs> you're laughing because you're thinking about somebody specific. <laughs> Come on now. The earnest prayer of a godless man. Huh? No, it's a, it, 
He didn't say just go to anybody. So you got to be specific who you go to. The earnest prayers of a righteous person. What does that mean? Someone who's in right standing with God. They're not perfect, but they're saved. And they have a passion to please God with their life. And to be, he said, when you get around that person, their prayer has great power and wonderful. If you're going to learn how to take a punch in life, you got to learn how not to isolate yourself, but deflect the punches of life towards somebody else. The second thing is this. You got to learn how to stay focused. You got to learn how to stay focused. I don't know if gangster is an offensive term, but if it is, get over it. Paul was a gangster. I mean, like an OG. This man gets stoned to death. They bring him back to life. He walks right back into the city where he had just been killed and continues to preach the gospel. And I like how godly, vengeful Paul was. It says the men that caused the drama that stole him, they weren't from Iconium. They had come from Antioch and from Lystra. So when Paul finished preaching in the city where he got stoned, guess where he went next? He went to Antioch where these guys' homes were and started preaching in front of their house. And said, oh, you want to start something? We, I didn't start it, but I am going to finish it. Let me tell you about a Jesus that can transform your life. He did not allow his pain to get him off focus of what his purpose and his mission was. The second technique for a boxer in taking a punch is they said you have to learn how to stay focused. Because here's the thing. They said as long as you can keep your eyes open and focused on your opponent, you can see the punches coming and you can keep the punches from diverting your mission, which is victory and moving forward. But they said if you're not able to stay focused, if you close your eyes, if, if you get distracted, you're going to lose sight of what you were in the ring for in the first place. If you ever watch like a boxing movie like Creed 2, you'll see that they'll take like a water jug or a weight and they'll have this like this pretty gruesome medieval looking like headpiece. And, and, and they'll start doing crunches with their neck. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to build their neck muscles so that when they take a punch, they don't get whiplash. So it's just like, I eat those. They're working on their stability so that they can stay focused. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said this, not that I've already attained or am already the perfect Christian. By the way, y'all, he kind of was. <laughs> like he wrote more Bible than anybody in the New Testament, led more people to Christ than anybody in the New Testament. We are Christians because Paul decided to preach to people who were not Jewish. And he said, Forget all that. He said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Here's why Paul was able to stay focused. He knew what his purpose was. He knew what his destiny was. He knew what the call of God on his life was. He knew why God placed him here on earth. I have a question for you. Why are you here? Not why are you in church. Why are you in 2020? Why are you on the planet during this season in history? Because the book of Acts tells me that God picked your family. Really? Uh, yeah, I guess so. 
He picked the nation that you would be born in. He put the time of history that you would walk the earth so that you can maximize the destiny that he has for you. Do you know what that destiny is? Here's what Paul was saying. He was saying, there was a reason why God arrested my life and encountered me. If you don't know the story, Paul was actually on a horse riding to Damascus, getting ready to kidnap Christians. And while he was riding to that city, Jesus came out of heaven and backhanded him right off his horse. It literally was like, Saul, oh, sorry, you see there, Saul, Saul, why are you working against me? Now, if the only reason that God wanted to encounter Saul was that he could go to heaven, he could have visited him in a dream. You know that little still, small voice that he speaks in a still, small voice, Saul, Saul, I died for you, buddy. Why are you working against me? Come on, pal. Give your life to me so you go to heaven. Yeah. You know, he didn't do it. <laughs> do you know there's a reason why God wants you? And it's bigger than just getting you into heaven? When I preached this message years ago, I used to say, because if he wanted you in heaven, the second you got saved, you get hit by a bus and go right there. But that was a little violent. So I changed that to, he would have sent a chariot like he did for Elijah, a chariot of fire, and caught you up and you would have been gone. Could you imagine how weird that was? Do you want to meet Jesus? I do. Father God, forgive me. I said, where'd they go? Well, they fulfilled their purpose here on earth, so now they're in heaven. No, 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 no. He left you here because there's an impact here on earth. That God has called you to have. There's a difference. He's called you to have that nobody else can have. There's a problem that he's caused you to be the solution to. And until you become that solution, it will always be a problem. And here's what I've discovered. Until I figure out what that is and get locked in on that, life will always knock me around. Every person that walks out of my life will shipwreck my dreams. Every door that's closed in my face, every no that I hear, everything that doesn't unfold the way that I think it was supposed to unfold will wipe me out for months and months and months. But when I know what the call of God on my life is, the destiny that's on, you may come, you may go, you can throw rocks, you can come, whatever it may be. I know why God has called me and I'm locked in and I'm focused. Now, to have that stabilization, you need Strong neck muscles. What's that? You need a stable life. This is where I get a little close to the edge. They get nervous because they think I'm going to fall off. I ain't going to fall off. But can I get to the edge a little bit? You, oh, pray for your pastor. He's a little ratchet. Here we go. You're not going to fulfill your destiny with a jacked up marriage. You're not going to fulfill your destiny with jacked up finances. You're not going to fulfill your destiny with your emotions up one day and down the next day. Up and down and up and... Destiny needs a stable foundation because if all of your life is up and down and chaotic and all that, you're going to be looking at destiny one day and drama the next day. Destiny, drama. You just dance in between the two. Destiny needs consistency. Uh, that's a tweet right there. Destiny needs consistency. So there's this season in your life where God says, okay, we got to bring some forgiveness in this marriage. We got to heal this thing. Man, we got to heal your body. We got to help you with your finances. Get you in Financial Peace, University Connect Group. Get you out of debt. Get you some baby steps and an emergency fund and retirement. We, and here's the problem. That so often in church, we hear so many messages about stabilization. 
man, let's stabilize your money and, and your marriage and your hope and your heart and your peace. And we can hear so many messages about stabilization that we can get confused and think God is all about us and all about our life being stable. No, no, the stabilization is a foundation for destiny. That, hey, I've got this settled, I've got this grounded, I've got this according to God's word. Now, what is the purpose and the plan that you have called for me? I'm telling you, there's a destiny God has for you. If you want to start on that journey, part of the purpose of our four-step growth track is to help you discover the gifts, the talents, the ability, the way that God made you so you can start in that journey of figuring out, hey, what's the purpose that he has for me? Every purpose is unique, but every purpose has a common denominator. God may have called you to be an entrepreneur, a teacher, a, a mother, a pastor, whatever it may be, but no matter what your calling is, it's all connected to one thing. Helping people meet Jesus. God may have anointed you to build wealth. Hear me, wealth is never the end goal. God may have anointed you to, 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 to reform our entire education system. Education was never the end goal. It was just a tool that God used to put you in certain rooms so that you can point to him. Pastor, prove it. I love when you say that, Luke, chapter 11, verse 23. If you don't think that God's a gangster, you don't read your Bible. He said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. God says, listen to me, your life is either a part of the solution or it is the problem. You say, ooh, so I'm going to hang out here just for two seconds. <laughs> Can I tell you why Christians who don't share their faith is a problem? Because what we're saying is that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. That a relationship with him is where true life comes from. And the world gets confused because they're thinking, if it's as good as you say it is, you'd be telling everybody. Because you told me about that restaurant that you ate at, and it wasn't even that good. Tell about you got to get you some soul food. Now, they lost their soul because I don't know what that was. That was not collard greens. <laughs> you ever have somebody tell you about a movie, and they're raving about the movie? And you're watching the movie like, where's the rest of it? Is this what you call a good movie? Because this is trash. Here's the thing. We share whatever we're excited about. So when we don't share Jesus, the world is like, you're telling me he's the way, but you're silent about him, so it must not be as good as you're saying it is, so I'll pass. And what God is saying is your silence is actually causing a problem. So go build a great business, go have a great career, go transform the political system, the economic system, the education system, whatever, but don't forget I put you in that room to point to me, to help people know that there is hope found only in me. Hey, if you're going to learn how to take a punch, you got to learn how to deflect it. You got to stay focused. The last thing is that Sean come play, we're going to land this plane. You got to protect your breath. So, so boxers, they'll, they'll deflect the headshots. They'll work on their neck muscles to make sure that when they get hit, it, it, it doesn't rock them all the way back. 
But one of the things they'll spend so much of their time and energy on is building their core. Constantly doing push-ups and, and crunches and all these different kind of things. And if you've ever seen a boxer train, they'll actually take a medicine ball and they'll hit them in the stomach with it over and over and over again because they're trying to tighten their core. Suck in my stomach and act like I actually work out. That's why I wear this baggy sweatshirt. Don't judge me. It's <laughs> so some of them, they have a core that's so hard, it's like the shell of a turtle. You hit them, it's just, I can take that. So here's why they spend so much time strengthening their core. Because they're protecting their breath. They're protecting their lungs. Because if you hit me in the head and my neck is strong enough, I can take that. Or I can deflect that. But if you knock the wind out of me, I'm going down. There's just certain things that I cannot withstand, and one of those is not being able to breathe. If you hit me in a way that I can't breathe, it's just a match. You ever seen a boxing match and someone gets hit in the body and they go down? And you're just like, what happened? I mean, I can see if you got knocked out, but I mean, you should eat that. I can't breathe. Some of you may have been in a situation where you were just out of breath and you started feeling dizzy. You weren't fighting anybody. I, I got to sit down because when you lose your breath, you lose your ability to stand. When Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Bible says that the natural is a mirror for the spiritual. That literally, when you became born, the first thing that doctor was looking for was a breath. They don't do this anymore. Back in the day, they used to. Some of you have newborns and they're crying. They're like, make them stop. We have two children. When we had our first child, it's always the first one. You're just freaking out. You're just like, what's wrong with the kid? They're crying. They're colicking. They won't stop crying. You go to the midwife. You're like, they're crying. She's like, good. They're breathing. It's like, no, they're loud. <laughs> you ever notice how doctors aren't as freaked out as you are? It's like, no, that, that, that cry, that, that means that oxygen is coming in and coming out. They're breathing. That's good. Your natural life started with breath. Your spiritual life started with breath. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, When the day of the church, the day of Pentecost, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as if a mighty rushing breath. It said it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire as on them, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the holy. The word for that word spirit is the word pneuma, which means breath. They began to speak in other tongues as the breath gave them utterance. Here's what you don't understand. You know, sometimes you can feel like when I give my life to Christ, God, forgive me of sins, be my Lord and my Savior. You kind of feel like I prayed a prayer, but I don't really know what happened. You know what happens in that moment of salvation? 
that the Holy Spirit or the Holy breath of God is actually breathed into your, something inside of you comes alive. We have joy because of the breath of God in us. We have hope because of the breath of God in us. We have vision for the future because of the breath of God in us. The Bible says this. It says God pours his breath into us and that breath does not disappoint. For it will accomplish exactly what it was said. Let me say it this way. The breath of God, the holy breath, the Holy Spirit of God is God in us. For some of us, life has punched God out of us. Man, I trusted God until I took that blow. Man, I relied on God until that situation happened. And without even realizing it, we're struggling with depression and hopelessness and fear. And what that really is, is we're suffocating spiritually. Physically, I'm breathing, but my spirit man is gasping. And it's saying, I need to breathe again. That third song that they sang today when it says, Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. We need your presence. That word spirit is just a word of breath. It said, breath of God. Fall fresh on us. We need your presence. Here's what the song was really saying. You didn't even know what you were singing. Here's what you were singing. A miracle can happen now for the breath of God is here. What we don't realize is that as we read our word, as we worship God, our spirit made it. You may not be able to describe it, but you sit in a service and you walk out and you just feel lighter. You just feel hope. You feel joy. You feel focused. You, it is the breath of, come on, everybody, wherever you are, Baltimore, look at me. Just inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. That's what your spirit has been doing for the last 90 minutes or 70 minutes, how long we've been in service. It's the spirit of God refreshing everything that's in you. Yeah, we need to learn how to deflect to other people. We need to learn how to stay focused on our purpose. But we need to learn how to get into God's presence. Say, God, fill me with hope again. Fill me with joy again. Fill me with your presence again. So that I can bounce back and keep focused on all that you have for me. Okay, let me pray for you. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, you said daily you breathe in us. God, you say you pour out your breath without limit. That literally all we have to do is ask, and God, I'm asking for every single person in the sound of my voice, God, that you'd breathe hope in us. That you'd breathe joy in us. That you'd breathe peace in us. That you'd breathe tenacity in us. God, we're praying for your spirit to fill us afresh. We long for more of you. Just where with you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, here's what you're really saying. Holy breath, what are you saying to me right now? Just give God a moment to make this message personal to you. Maybe you realize that, man, you've been running through life and you haven't taken a deep breath in God's presence in a long time. 
maybe you realize that you've been taking the blows of life and you've never turned to God. Hear me. He is here in this moment right now saying, will you allow me to breathe life into you? All you have to do is ask. Whether you're watching online in Baltimore and Columbia, you say, Pastor, I need that life. I need the breath of God right where you are. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that my sin can be forgiven, that my mistakes can be erased, so that you can breathe life into me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.